Hello and welcome back to the Habs Puck Drop Podcast. It's been a little while. Before we even begin, we're going to start with a word from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by the Montreal Movers. Moving can be stressful, exhausting, and expensive. With the Montreal Movers, you'll get the most affordable and stress-free moving day on the market. Rob and I both hired the Movers earlier this year, and we could not have been happier. Visit www.movers.ca for a quote. That's M-O-O-V-E-R-S. If you refer a friend, the Movers will even pay you a cut on moving day. And when you choose the Movers, moving is made easy, and that's no bull. Alright, um, not much to say in the introduction, just that the Habs are 8-6-1 and one and on a three-game win streak. Um, I think at this point in the season now, it's fair to say nobody kind of saw this coming. I mean, this isn't an extremely great start, but it's definitely crazy to see them over 500. I, I, honestly, I saw it coming. You look at this team on, on paper, I was saying this even like, you know, late preseason, like, we're going to have goals you know at least right and then like you know the the added benefit of like sam Montembo and jake allen playing the way they are and our young defensemen playing the way they are leads to less goals against and um you know if we're getting goals and not allowing a lot of goals in i mean like we're gonna win some games right and like if you look at our team on paper i don't understand how people were saying we're gonna have an issue with goal scoring and a lot of people were yeah that's always surprising i thought where we were gonna have an issue was defensively yeah. just because was it five of our six defensemen were rookies or something like yeah. that but they've they've really stepped up um we'll jump right into the first uh review so the first week from this podcast was november 1st um we had a four to one loss against minnesota the only goal from suzuki on the power play uh next game another loss in overtime on november 3rd to winnipeg goal scores are suzuki and doc and then last Game of the week was another loss, a 6-4 to four loss against Vegas on the 5th of November. Um, Caulfield, Suzuki getting one uh, regular strength and one power play goal, and then Slavkovsky scoring again. That was kind of like the bittersweet game, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, that whole week was just lose, but our young stars scored. Like the Vegas, like the Golden Knights game, like that was basically how I thought, I think most people thought our season was going to go, you know, like best case scenario you know like we lose a lot of games but the people who are scoring the people who are producing are the guys we want to see and like that's a perfect example of a, of a loss where it's like yeah we lost but you know caulfield suzuki suzuki Slavkovsky. i mean like yeah and the Doc, future's bright right yeah so. it, it was exactly it like that that was a good kind of sample and you know it was at that point where now we'd kind of settled into the uh the season and i was like okay is this how the year's gonna go um just looking at the players of the week we're gonna jump right into week one um mine I, it had to be nick suzuki i mean i think i said his name a, a bunch of times just reviewing the week but four goals and an assist for five points in three games um eight shots on goal so half of his shots went in um averaging 21 minutes and 11 seconds on the ice per game with two power play goals i mean he was just doing absolutely everything out there i mean that's exactly what you want to see from your young captain um he i i think even up to now he's really taken his game up a notch this year but this week for me that or sorry that week for me was just really uh, you know when he stood out because he was able to kind of take the team on his back a little but i mean if you look at when he scored too you know it was, it was always the first goal of the game or you know he put up back-to-back goals in the Vegas game. Like he, he sets just, the tone of the game exactly, yeah. and he and he 
I find he also controls the pace of the game. You know, he doesn't kind of get lost out there. This is very much like his first year where he looks fully comfortable. Yeah. No, I, I get like a lot of Saku Koibu from him in that kind of sense. You know, like he kind of dictates the, the, you know, kind of like the, the fiercity of the play on the ice. Like Gallagher's got like that emotional side to him, but like Suzuki looks like he can kind of like, you know, gather the troops just by making a, like a smart play. Nothing mm-hmm. like too fancy, but just like a high IQ hockey play. And it just seems to like get everyone going. And that's a great quality to have in a captain. Yeah, and I think he'll be the, you know, leadership of Koivu with maybe double the output. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you guys, but, like, we were surprised to see, you know, Saku Koivu's best goal year was 22 goals. Yeah. I mean, and... we, were, we were really young during that era, but, like, you know, I, I thought he, I mean, he obviously produced a lot of assists with yeah. Kovalev and stuff like that, but I thought he had more goals than that. Me too. And, and looking, I think he only breached the 20-goal mark, like, two or three times yeah. in his career. A lot more like his brother than, than we thought, I think. You yeah, know, like... exactly. Yeah, much more of a defensive center. Yeah. Um, so who was your player of the week for the first week in November? Yeah, I went, you know, Caden Gooley. So two assists plus one, you know, I, the reason I picked him was like, we were saying like the young defensemen are like really surprising us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously it wasn't a great week for the team in general, but you know, he had two assists. He was plus one, 20, 20 minutes time on ice, five hits, six blocks. I just found he's, he, you know, progressively settling into his game, you know, even more than we saw at the beginning of the season, which was like. You know, the minute he stepped on the ice, it looked like, you know, he settled in the NHL, right? Mm-hmm. And that was, like, super surprising. But, you know, this week, you know, that the, the week of November 1st there, I really saw him make some more of those, you know, seasoned, um, little riskier plays that, you know, we were talking about earlier on that you don't really see uh, in rookie defensemen or you see them a complete other extreme, like kind of like a Romanov, way too risky um, kind of situation. But he's kind of stricken that, like, nice balance of risky and safe plays yeah. and um, I found that week especially especially during the um, the um, Winnipeg game sorry the second game there I, I found he was making some amazing plays against that high-powered offense and um, loved what I saw clearing the net too against big guys yeah no I I distinctly remember a really smart play against Vegas too where he kind of put the puck off the boards to himself in his zone to kind of break up a play that was just Oh, yeah, was that Vegas? That was the one against oh, okay. Vegas there, yeah. yeah. But um, the other thing for me was just, like, being a plus one when you lose three games in a row yeah. is is very impressive, especially given the fact that he's getting, like you said, the top-line matchup. So and just, you're outscored 13-7. Well, that's it, so. exactly. So he was clearly not the liability. And, you know, when just looking at the players, too, that he was covering, you have Zuccarello, you have Kaprizov in Minnesota, then... You go to Winnipeg, and you got Connor, you've got Ehlers, you've got Shifley, you've got Wheeler, and then you go to Vegas, and again, it's like you've got Eichel, and you've got Smith, and you've got Marcia So, and you've got, like, all these guys who can, like, really, really put up points, yeah. and he clearly locked it down because, or at least he did his part to lock it down. This is, like, week three of his NHL career. Exactly, I mean, and it's he like, just, he looks like a, like a pro. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great to see, and, like... Um, like I said, striking that balance between, you know what, I'm going to make a you know riskier play here based on who my matchup is, and then playing it safe, it's like, striking that balance is like what makes a great defenseman in the NHL, and I, I think he's really, he's he's looking like he's on the right path to that. Yeah. No, and what I, do you think about the other young guys that that week? I mean, I defenseman. noticed, I, I like how Jordan Harris is unnoticeable at times. He, he does the right thing, but I haven't seen him exposed very much. Yeah. Same thing goes, I mean... 
Jack Eye kind of has more weirdly like flair to him. It for someone who's you know not really like a highly coveted pick or just kind of he he does play a noticeable game whether it's hits or getting on the board. Like I I just I see him more. I think it's also he just looks a little bit more mature than Jordan Harris. Um, other than that, I, I, is there any other young? See, he's a bit more on the Romanov side of like yeah. he makes some risky plays. That's kind of just his game, kind of like how Romanov is too, and you kind of have to hedge your bets against mistakes being made there. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack Eye, though, too, like hasn't been exposed much. Um, and, you know, I think it'll come because, like, you know, he, he's definitely a guy that likes to, you know, overplay the body sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I find in, in this day and age, like, you see a lot of defensemen who underplay the body, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's guys like Jack Eye and Romanov and stuff like that that, you know, definitely like to hit guys. And um, you know, I think it'll come eventually, and that'll be like a good learning you know, opportunity for him, but as of now, like, I, I, I think he's super solid. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the defensive core in general is looking good. It's honestly, I've said it before on the podcast, but also off the podcast, our veteran defensemen look like the biggest issue that needs yeah, to be Yeah, I know. A lot of these guys, I don't know where they're going to go. No, you know what I mean? Like, we, we have Matheson coming in, Edmondson. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, we obviously need to play these guys. But yeah, they're they're still like you know they have more experience. They know what they're same doing. Same time, like do you do you run three defensive lines or do you, do you honestly send some of these guys down? Because I don't want to see like a situation where like you know some of these guys are playing third pairing and and you know halving their minutes. Yeah, no, it's 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 not what you detrimental see. to their to their to their development just to play. You know, like I I would think more. it would make more sense to move on from one of the, at least one of the. Uh, veteran defenseman, you don't need necessarily, or at least the young guys show you don't need all of them to be, you know, seasoned pros like these guys are playing very well together. Yeah. I don't think it's worth kind of, you know, messing with that mojo either. It's yeah, kind of just even, like let it stay. Yeah, yeah, and even if there was, like, let's, I mean, there will be, you know, Edmondson is a better defenseman right now than, than most of these guys, yeah. right? But, like, what is the trade-off of him coming in, you know, potentially you know, uh, getting a few more takeaways in our defensive zone or neutral zone versus, like, the long-term chemistry these guys are going to make growing up together yeah, and, and developing together, right? And, like, I, I don't know if that calculus is, like, super simple because, you know, I, I think we're seeing it with Caulfield and Suzuki, like, how important, you know, kind of developing as a unit, yeah. as a team, not only as a team, but, like, as a line. You know what I mean? Like, the Caulfield-Suzuki line... You know that we're gonna be calling it that for years, right? Yeah, it's the Caulfield Suzuki line—it's inseparable. Well, that's it. And I forget exactly which NHL coach it was. I was watching, they were talking about it on TSN like years ago. But it's like you don't make hockey lines; you make hockey pairs, yeah. and then you find that complement piece. And obviously, like that's the pair. And I mean, we'll get into it in a second. But I also think we may have found, at least for now, the complement piece to that line. Um, the last thing about this week too that we kind of just you know glossed over was. Um, Josh Anderson getting a two-game suspension, which we'll see kind of became the theme of this podcast at one point. Um, yeah, really just not the best hit on Petrangelo. I, I don't know if, like, I mean, I'm not going to try and attribute any motive or, you know, accident. Like, I'm not going to excuse it. But at the same time, it just didn't look like a intentional, like a intentional thing, yeah. hit it kind of looked like he was trying to bump him and petrangelo turned it's interesting because you know obviously we're going to mention the slavkovsky one too but they're both like for one almost in the exact same spot if not yeah. the exact same spot like right at where the door opens of the opposing team's bench or yeah. i think slavkovsky is our side yeah. right anyway but it, it was it was near the benches and for both of them slavkovsky's for me looked a little bit more suspect but 
to a degree I see it like Anderson's where it looked like it was one of those situations where it was a perfect pivoting moment. Yeah. The reason why I think Anderson's took a bit more flack was because he's known to be a rougher guy right and now. It's Petrangelo. And, and it's Petrangelo, right? But they both did look like he was going in for a side body hit, right? Mm-hmm. Like a clean hit. And then there was a momentary pivot on both players' parts. Yeah, almost trying to box it, them out. And it, just and it basically lined well. them up. Yeah. yeah I, which I, again, like I'm just happy no one was seriously hurt. That's the most important part. But um, I do, you know what I will say, though? I do like the NHL uh, Safety Association basically just saying, look, this is how it's going to be now. Yeah. I think there was something like like four uh, two-game suspensions dished out in the last week. Yeah. And so, or a week or two. And so it's, it's nice that they have a standard because that was the biggest kind of criticism of them was that, like, um, they were really only care about repeat offenders and things yeah, like that. Yeah, I, I think like Tunix, I, I definitely think intent matters, right? right? But I think intent should be more of like a function of like like past crimes, right? Instead mm-hmm. of like dissecting these plays down in like, you know, 0.1 speed and looking at like some, uh, you know, kind of body language on, on Slavkovsky's part, you know, like in a basically frame by frame analysis like i, I well that's what i mean it's like it's it a looks two-game bad minimum. yeah exactly so they, they yeah. said like look this is you can't do that in the nhl yeah. this is the two games we're not going to punish you more it's like in both their cases i think the league said okay it's kind of like for example like just getting like a a when you get a fight you get five minutes for yeah. fighting it's like that's the minimum they can toss you out for misconduct but they didn't, you know. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of coming from the other direction. Like, I'm, I'm glad they gave him the two games. Like, yeah, I, I don't want to see. I think we're saying the same thing. Yeah, like I don't want to see a situation where like there's a hit from behind, and they're like, well, if you look at this frame by frame, mm-hmm. it looked like there was a bad pivot, and he didn't yeah. need to do it. It's like if it should be like, did he get hit from behind? Yes, suspension. Yeah, exactly. Right? And then, and then the like you can look. Yeah, you can be, like if it's Nazem Kadri or yeah, if it's Tom Wilson a rook- or, like or that, a yeah. rookie who's never played the game. Yeah, exactly. And then it kind of blunts it that way, right? Exactly. I, I think like. Yeah, anyway, obviously super biased opinion, but it did look like these guys kind of, it was, it was not a purposeful thing. Plus, I don't think, like, realistically, you know, Vegas, Montreal, I mean, like, I, I don't think they're holding a grudge from two years ago. And yeah. also, like, I don't think Petrangelo and Josh Anderson have some kind of, like, not that you know, I know of. <laughs> thing going um, on. Yeah, so going into week two, uh, we'll talk about it in a second, then we had a 3 2 shootout win against Detroit, uh, both goals during the game coming from Hoffman. Um, let's just pause there for one second. Yeah, Slavkovsky now hitting Matt Luff from behind gets the two games. I, you know what, I'm kind of glad in a sense it happened because, and this might sound weird, but I think, um, it, it kind of teaches Slavkovsky too, like, you can't just throw your body around. Like, it's it's almost like he's going to learn, like, how to play a power game better. Yeah. And I think, like... It, it it sucks just because Matt Luff had like I I'm pretty sure like earlier that month had like facial surgery got like yeah. a high stick or something so it's just like it, it looked a rough really month. Yeah, yeah it just wasn't fun for him but like you know it it kind of was and Slavkovsky was then kind of really immersed into the league he'd already scored he did all that and now it's like okay I can't like you know I'm not untouchable yeah I I I, I can see it that way consequences to his actions yeah I can see it that way but I can also see it in kind of a a negative way too it's like new player he feels like he's done something wrong I really don't want to see him pull back the physicality of his play I mean the, the Montreal organization and like coaching staff for sure are definitely going to jump on that and be like no no like you you need to play your size like this was kind of a 
we know you didn't intend to hurt him. This was kind of a freak accident. Just be kind of more wary of it. Yeah. But I think they will be worried that he's going to kind of pull back. And the, and the worst case scenarios you have, uh, I mean, I'm going way, way worst case scenario, but I'm saying the worst case scenario is that you have a guy with a size like that who doesn't use it. Yeah. And, um, you know, you don't want to see that. Yeah. I'm, I like you said, I know you're saying worst case scenario. I don't personally think that's going to be the case. I think he's going to come back and throw a hit on his first shift. Yeah. Me too. Because I, I, I'd be more worried about that if he was severely injured. Yeah. Right. I mean, like you see that sometimes where like you, you do a hit like that and the guy's yeah, out like, for the year yeah, and then like the, what have I done moment. Yeah, exactly. Or you get the Mark Shifley's who are proud of themselves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, um, next night, November 9th. In my opinion, up to this point, the most exciting game to watch. We have a 5-2 win against Vancouver. Oh, yeah, that was a great game. Um, Suzuki scores on the power play in almost like the first minute. Then you have Jackeye, Doc, Hoffman, and Doc again. Again, other than Hoffman, it's like it's all the new guys. Yeah. It's all the young guys and the new guys. And it's, Hoffman was just due. I mean, Hoffman yeah. had a brutal start to the year, and then he yeah. just went on a heater here. So it was good to uh, good to see him kind of... I mean, he was one of the major pieces that when I was looking at our depth chart and people were like, you know, you guys aren't going to win any games. I'm just like, no, we might not win every game, but like we're going to get three, four goals a game. Yeah. Because I mean, you look at the Hoffmans, you look at the Suzuki's, the Caulfield's, the Docks, the Monahans, like Gallagher's, like Anderson, like we're going to score somewhere. I just yeah. named like, you know, three full lines of hockey. Basically. You know I mean, so um, I'm glad he kind of picked it up. So Yeah. And then the last game of the week, uh, 5-4 overtime win against Pittsburgh. We had a great game. Yeah, Anderson coming back from his suspension, scores right away, then Caulfield scores, Suzuki scores, Monaghan on the power play, and then Hoffman again. Um, just, you know, we, we had the first week where we had three losses, came away with one point out of a possible six, and then this week we go six for six. So, I mean, seven points out of a possible 12. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take, take it. it. Yeah. You know, and so... Um, especially the uncertainty in the league right now i mean like we're seeing teams perform that you're just like what the hell's going on arizona's a playoff team yeah i mean look at new jersey yeah i mean like like what's new jersey's record i think they have like 12 and (laughs) 3 they're 12 and 3 right so i mean we're seeing a lot of a lot of question marks in the league right now and Mm -hmm. like i i don't want to really count us out i mean also teams like tampa and toronto have slowed yeah tampa's sixth in division i mean like we have more points than tampa i mean like they're they're struggling so you know i you know, the, the, the league's becoming a lot more unpredictable in certain ways, especially early on in the season, because I think there's a lot of teams that are kind of hitting the brakes in, in a sense, like after seeing what's happening with Toronto. I mean, like mm-hmm. the last two, three years, Toronto just tearing through the regular season, choking in the playoffs, like, you know, longevity and, and keeping, you know, burnout out of the equation is, is huge. I mean, yeah, like, and not being a one-trick pony. Yeah. Sorry. Toronto just tried to outscore their team, their their problems every single time. Yeah. Um, the one thing I also did want to bring up was uh, Toronto and Tampa Bay being so poor, but then Boston coming out of nowhere. Um, without McAvoy and Marchand to start the year, like this, this division is very, very volatile. Hmm. Um, the Canadians just need to keep a constant pace, and like we can do very, very well. The only thing I I did want to say about like the not not just the volatility of the division, but the league is that for the the people who are into sports betting. The best predicting model online so far this year has been 68% correct, which is like way lower than the past few years. Normally, it hovers around 75 to 80 for the highest model. Um, the league's all over the place. Like, so for, for people who feel like they have like, you know, they, like a black box every time the Canadians go in, it's not just because 
the Habs feel that way. It like yeah. genuinely is the league is kind of going through some kind of metamorphosis. I don't know what it is exactly. Yeah, I, I think it like started off with like the transition to like goalie tandems, and mm-hmm. like I think we're seeing it more like a you know we're we're seeing a, a lot of volatility just based on there's more dynamics in the depth chart, and like I we definitely haven't seen that in in you know like in early two thousands hockey or even mid two thousands where like you had your starting goaltender and your backup. he played the vast mm-hmm. majority until he kind of burnt out and then you throw the backup in there yeah one and, every ten every yeah so like now it's basically game on game off game on game off right and like that adds a whole other layer of complexity mm-hmm. in predicting these things because um you you can't really go off of previous performances you kind of have to go off of rests and then yeah yeah so it's it's really interesting but yeah it's volatile makes the game more interesting though definitely and so looking at players of the week for this past week um yeah i i um, basically gave it away with mine but uh, it had to be mike kaufman i mean he had four goals in three games with 12 shots on goals so he was shooting a lot and one of his goals was a game winner so um you know just like you said he was due and he he showed up in a big way i mean both goals i mean game winner against pittsburgh but basically game winner against detroit too I no, mean, like exactly. we won and we want to we want to shoot out versus detroit and he had mm-hmm. both the goals and in, in regular time so. that's it and like and his goal against uh vancouver too was just like it was just a good play yeah. took the puck all the way down and just ripped it like it was it was really the nail in the coffin like doc's two goals were probably the biggest pieces but mm-hmm. he just absolutely blew it out of the water this week for me so yeah transitioning into mine there it is kirby doc two goals two assists he's a plus four six shots um you know just an amazing speaking of that pittsburgh game i mean like that pass to hoffman to yeah. beat jerry there in, in overtime holy yeah i i didn't see the lane there at all i mean no, I, I had no idea where the puck went um i thought he was going to do a wraparound and i think jerry did too he was kind of like hugging the post ready to kick off yeah. to the other side um, but holy crap, what a what a sh- what a pass! Um, Kirby Doc, I think, is going to be, you know, secretly, you know, one of the best moves we've done in a long time. I mean, like we, it was like you said the other day, like we didn't even give him like an extension or a bridge. Like we gave him like a full, we gave him for a full four years at like a cheap contract. Yeah. Um, and we think he, like he makes less than Paul Byron. Yeah, that's a, it's that's insane. insane. That's no, it's three nuts. one two five. It's three. It's a weird one. It's like three point three seven six. I'm gonna yeah, look it yeah. up. I mean, you... it's low threes. It's just yeah. incredible. And I, I really, I don't know what Chicago was thinking. Really, I mean, like the the promise in this kid is, is is so high. I'm, you know, I'm. It's cool to see him with Suzuki and Caulfield. I I still kind of see him as a as a centerman. Um, but I mean, if that's the way it kind of works for now, I mean, I'm, yeah, you know, all I'm, power to I'm, him. I'm honestly okay. It is a three point three six two five. Like okay. it's a weird number. I mean, just it basically comes low. out to thirteen point forty five million over four years. Yeah. So. But yeah, amazing no, I, contract. I'm all for. It. I I agree with you. I think he is a better fit right now. I mean, I obviously the ideal is that Slavkovsky's up on that line. However, if we're building a line around Suzuki and Caulfield. If we can get a centerman that plays with Slavkovsky on the second line, imagine having a top four of Slavkovsky, uh, insert elite centerman, Suzuki, and Caulfield. And then you've got Doc on the right side of line one, and then you've got another right winger that you bring in for line two. Like It's going to end up being this top six of got, like six guys under 25 years old who are all putting up a point per game yeah. in their prime. 
Yeah, that's I mean, that's insane. Our young guys are just looking incredible. And I like, mean, everyone, yeah, everyone's talking about Kirby Doc. He's got fourteen points in fifteen games. Yeah, like he, you know, this is who Chicago originally drafted. This is this there's is, a very high chance yeah. he has between sixty and seventy points this year. I mean, uh, if like, if they keep that line together, I'm confident saying that he's going to get over seventy points. So I mean, you know, if we can imagine we have imagine we have a forty goal scorer, okay. We have Suzuki, who gets a point per game, and then we have Doc, who's above 70. I mean, like, it's, again, I the outcome of the season is, is somewhat irrelevant to me because at the end of the day, like, even our losses are wins if these are the guys that are producing. Yeah. So. It, it just it puts it on, especially with the next few drafts being quite loaded. Like, I'll, I, I don't think we're finishing bottom of the league, but even if we don't make it into the playoffs, there's always the lottery. Yeah. The top 10 is still looking great, and, yeah. Anyway, so um, we're going to uh, actually first. I want to just do the weekend preview a little bit. So this coming week, we've got three games. Um, Excited for this one. Yeah, so we're playing against New Jersey on the fifteenth. Like we said, they're twelve three and zero. Currently, their point leaders are Jesper Bratt with nineteen points in seventeen games, Nico Heischer with seventeen points in fourteen games, and Jack Hughes at a point per game in fifteen games. Um, after that, we've got a weak Columbus team, 4-9-1, Johnny Godreau being their point leader, only uh, 12 points in 14 games, which is not what they expected from him. And then the 19th, we're playing Philly, where Travis Konechny has 16 points in 13 games. So, again, I'm kind of like... for a rough Philly team. Cause yeah. Like, they, they, if anyone saw the that game with Toronto, I mean, like, they've got some feist in them, Philly, right now. Yeah. And um, we definitely have a team that has a lot of feist in us, too. So I think that's going to be a rough game. Excited for it. Yeah, and I also, just looking at their records, like, I see, you know, a strong, strong, strong New Jersey team, 12-3-0, then a very weak Columbus team at 4-9-1, and then a very middle team at 7-6-2 for Philly. It's going to kind of be like almost like a nice uh, litmus test in terms of playing a high-end team, a low-end team, kind of middle of the pack. Yeah, and a really hot goaltender in Carter Hart. I mean, yeah, like, he's oh, playing that's going to be a, that's gonna be a big test for, for our goal scorers. I mean, he's he's playing incredible. I think, like, he's getting to that level where people saw him coming into the league at. Yeah. So it's going to be a huge challenge, and it's going to be a, I'm I'm telling you now that Philly game is going to be incredible. Yeah, it's... I, yeah, it's going to be fun. I yeah. think there's going to be, a, you know, I can see an Arbor Jack I fight. I can see maybe, a, like, yeah, I, I'll be as bold to say it now, like a Caulfield hat trick. Just a very exciting game. Like, if we're if we're just going to make for fun predictions here, like, I see a high, weirdly enough, a high-scoring game, even with uh, the, um, Carter you know, Hart. Carter Hart and our goaltending basically mm-hmm. being just as good. But I do see a high-scoring game. I can see, like, a 5-3 to three win. and um yeah so we'll we'll see um lastly we've got our two prospects for this podcast um yeah so the first prospect maybe a little bit of a you know hot topic name and a little bit of a you know touchy one we've, we've kind of covered him before but it's logan Four choice words yeah <laughs> god um logan mayu uh is six foot three 214 pound right hand shot defenseman uh he was our first round pick from the year previous to slavkovsky um 2021-2022, played 12 games in the OHL, 3 goals, 6 assists, 9 points. And then this year, he's currently played 10 games, uh, also with the London Knights, for 4 goals, 7 assists, and 11 points. Um, he's a two-way defenseman, like very purely a two-way defenseman. Uh, closest comparable has been Seth Jones in terms of style. So a guy who can, you know, basically do it all. He hits hard, 
play well, a lot of minutes. Play a lot of minutes, block shots, uh, play the power play. And that's kind of what I'm getting to is that his his strengths on his scouting reports is that he has really good, you know, size. Like I said, 6'3", 214 at the age of like 19 or 20 is great. Um, really good skater, big, big hits. And then the big thing for him is that he has just that that knack for shooting on the power play. Like the guy's just got a cannon. And so I I mean we're not gonna get into the whole Logan Mayu thing again, but just I, you know, once he is in the NHL and once he's established, like this is someone who can, you know, potentially play the top line with Gooley, be a really good complement to each other. They have very similar play styles. So if you you know, for people who haven't really seen much of his game, think how Gooley's playing now basically is a right hand shot. And, you know, I, I'd like to see our defensive core get that strong that fast. And we don't yeah. have many right-hand shot guys as it is. So that's kind of the first prospect. Is there anything? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, he, I mean, like, you look at his point total. Like, I mean, he's producing. And, like, just seeing him, like, he's a great skater. I yeah. mean, like, that's kind of, like, an undervalued thing. Like, if you, if you guys go watch his highlights and stuff like that, like, the, the kid can skate well. Like, yeah. And that's a... You know, I I think that's where a comparison to Seth Jones like really takes off is like Seth Jones's feet is just the way he moves on the ice. It's like something else, and I think Logan Mayu's obviously taking a lot of skating lessons. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's move to the next one. So this one I'm surprised with Riley Kidney. So this is a center left wing, a uh, bit of a smaller guy, five eleven, hundred and sixty eight pounds. Um, twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two in the Q. Um, 66 games played, 30 goals, 70 assists for 100 points. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, promising again this year, 2022-2023, again in the queue, 18 games played, he has 9 goals, 18 assists for 27 points. Um, his style comparison, he's a two-way forward, uh, comparable to Mitchell Marner. Um, love to see that. I mean, again, it's not, Jesse says this all the time, just so we don't get any DMs, yeah. but it's not... He's not Mitch Marner. He's not Mitch Marner, <laughs> but it's the style comparison. So yeah. his strengths are defensive hockey, um, great defensive player, playmaking, and he has a high hockey IQ, which, again, I think kind of goes into a good two-way forward. It's like you have to have that IQ to be able to read plays yeah, and make the, those neutral zone uh, transitions. That's the thing. The thing about Kidney is that he was unranked in terms of the... Uh, you know, like mid-season rankings during his draft year. What a name, too. Yeah, Riley Kidney. <laughs> he um, he went unranked and then absolutely exploded in the second half of the year in the playoffs. I think his his Q points per game was something like one point fifteen, which is you know like for for guys who are going the first and second round, like being over a point per game in the in the Q is expected, but. In the playoffs, he went almost up to two points per game and took uh the, the took them far. I'm pretty sure I I don't know if they won the whole thing in the Memorial Cup, but they went very far because of him. Um, defensively and playmaking, like you said, that's where he kind of gets the Marner comparison because Marner's a very good defensive player who can you know set up a lot. But it's a, his hockey IQ that actually brought him into the rankings. So he apparently is. That, that that's just his thing he's just well above the rest in terms of his ability to see the ice anticipate plays and just kind of understand the flow of the game so um kind of a weird pick in the second round for the canadians in the sense of he was seen to go anywhere from late first round to seventh round like they didn't really have a good idea of where he would fall and as the year carried on he just kind of climbed the rankings 
So could be, you know, a very good pick for the Canadians. The, like like you mentioned, the weight is a little bit of an issue. It being 168 pounds and almost six feet yeah, that's... is it's ironically not... he's a string bean yeah exactly <laughs> but just not great for professional hockey with a contact sport yeah. however you know because if I... you don't have that low center of gravity you know what i mean like yeah. caulfield will get away with it right i mean yeah. like just because he can kind of almost go through people's legs right but um if you're six foot you know i mean he's six two on skates and he's 168 pounds i mean like that is like you know, he disappears when he turns to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and and I just, I, I don't want to see him go into the corner with, like, basically anyone. any defenseman. Yeah. But, I mean, know, like, even of... if you're talking about, like, average-sized defenseman, like, 200 pounds, I mean, like, that is a, you know, 32-pound weight differential. Well, that's it. And it's just, like, it, it's it's a cause for concern, but it's no reason to just count him out. That's also, someone, he's a middle six player. He's, look, let's get that clear. He's his not face-offs can't be good either. No, He's but I think size. he I think he mainly plays the wing now. I could be okay. wrong. I think it's one of those things where like he's just playing center because he's playing junior hockey still. But just also to put in reference like he's he's almost 20 pounds lighter than Victor Mete. So yeah. for people who saw Victor Mete getting pushed around, he's 20 pounds lighter. Yeah. And 2 inches taller. Yeah. So, so he's going to get is... you know bumped around a lot, but honestly like we have a lot of prospects and a lot of guys who kind of just came out of nowhere. Like a lot, like it's very typical Habs fashion that like our best prospects come in the fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds. Yeah. So we'll get to those guys eventually too. But you know, for people who have been paying attention, we're kind of working our way back the first and second round with each draft, and then we're gonna kind of come, come back, back to the beginning. So um, yeah, other than that, uh, you know. Like we said in the intro, really good start to the season, at least su- somewhat surprising. Um, next, you know, six games or so can really be huge in terms of separating Exciting us. Exciting games coming up, honestly. Yeah. Like, I'm telling you guys, tune to that Philly game. I, you know, I, I don't know about I don't know about you, but, like, Travis Konechny just rubs me the wrong oh way. Oh, my God, yeah. He's just one of those people who just want to, like, and that's why I'm saying, like, I, I want to see him with Arbor Jack. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so we will catch you guys on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Habs Puck Drop Podcast. You can email us your thoughts, questions, and suggestions through our email at habspuckdrop at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at habspuckdrop. We'll see you next time.